Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. We've all heard that Gen Z is making the world a better place. And Snapchat sees every day how this generation is bringing the positivity we need right now. The Snapchat generation is creating a world where everyone is invited to show up more authentically, making the stories they share with their friends all the more powerful. You can meet the Snapchat generation and learn more about them by visiting snapchat.com generation. That's snapchat.com generation. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast where we talk about marketing, technology, pop culture, advertising, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. And I've got a few uh, really awesome guests uh, this week. Uh, Minda Smiley, a uh, agency's reporter with me here at Adweek. Minda, always great to have you on the show. Thank you, David. And we've got a special guest from uh, the San Francisco Bay Area, Elaine Cox, ECD, that is Executive Creative Director at the agency Heat. Uh, is, is it officially called like Heat by Deloitte now? Am I? Do I need to update my ownership <laughs> standards? <laughs> it's still technically called Heat, but we are part of Deloitte Digital. Uh, so Elaine uh, is a wonderful creative, one of my favorite people in the industry. Not just saying that because you're Aww. here, um, and it's uh, it's great. And I will first I'll talk about what we intend to talk about, and then I'll tell a funny backstory about Elaine and myself. Um, but what we are going to be talking about today is parental leave in the agency world. Don't worry if you don't have kids; we promise it'll still be interesting because uh, we're going to be talking about the realities of quarantine and just about what life has been like and how agencies are addressing some of these issues. Minda has been looking into some of the issues around parental leave, around the way that parents and family work-life balance has been handled, especially how those uh, kind of the view of that in the agency world has changed thanks to quarantine and how Zoom has kind of given us windows into each other's lives and maybe, maybe created a little more empathy. Um, but Elaine, do you remember that before this podcast existed, you and I almost started another podcast? Almost. It was such a letdown that that never happened. It was like, and honestly, this podcast exists, fun fact, because of that. Like, I <gasps> it got, like I got really in this 
jonesed up to like start a podcast with Elaine. Uh, Elaine and I were both very, very passionate, as are many people, but uh, we, we met and very quickly bonded over our passion about uh, gender balance and equality and equity in the industry. Uh, this was maybe like four or five years ago. It's been a while. And, uh, and we were like, we need, we need to start a podcast. And this is back when saying that was still somewhat novel. <laughs> very original idea. And I don't know if our overlords would have let us on either side name at this, but the goal was to call it Slicing Up the Sausage Fest, which I still think is a A-plus It still works, podcast name. you know? We, we could call that uh, this this uh, episode that. Yes, yes. The, uh, so if you want to see that podcast come to life, <laughs> uh, drop me a note at podcast.adweek.com, and maybe we can still make it happen. Podcast, like Adweek has, like back then we had zero podcasts. Now we have like, I don't know, Mendo, like five or six, right? We could, yeah, we could have one. Yeah. We could have one more. Throw one more in there, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we can we can cook, hence the sausage, and talk about all our feelings. Oh man, so, yeah, that, I think that's what the people have been wanting yes. from this podcast. They want to hear so. cooking sounds and emotions and emotions. And just like and just fourteen have minutes of, right now. Fourteen minutes of quiet <laughs> sobbing at the end of each episode. So we're uh, let's dive in. Amanda, uh, tell us a bit about uh, people can read your your coverage of uh, parental leave on adweek.com, but give us some of the highlights about some of the issues that you learned uh, while doing your reporting on this. Yeah, I mean, so it's a lot. I feel like I, I've become an expert in in the in the field, but um, I started reporting the story before before quarantine, and um, and I really, I you know, I'm not a mom, but I. I was really surprised to learn how a lot of these policies are really hard. Like when you're hiring at an agency, it's not always super clear what the parental paid leave policy is and what it entails. And oftentimes um, it, you end up kind of stringing together lots of different policies, like whatever the company offers, whatever um, the government offers, which is not much. Um, and then sort of whatever else you can kind of, you know, maybe whatever uh, – deals you can make with your manager, so to speak, in terms of how flexible things can be once you uh, once you return to the office. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's kind of a hodgepodge. And I feel like um, that's part of the frustration for a lot of women and men that are parents is that, um, you know, I think we all know in this country, parental leave is not great. But I think um, oftentimes companies, unless you work for like one of these big tech companies or something, um, it can just be, it can oftentimes be um, really hard to feel like you're getting, um, you know, really getting ample time off to, uh, at such an important part of your life. I, I don't know how you feel, Elaine, but that's sort of the, the impression I've gotten. Yes, it is. Uh, it's, I mean, especially as a female creative, it's definitely always kind of weighed heavily on me at every agency where I've worked. And, and even outside of the agency world, I have friends who have um, stacked up their vacation time and sick time and everything just to be able to spend some time with their baby during what a lot of people endearingly call the fourth trimester, meaning the baby should still be inside of your body because it cannot function and your life is going to be miserable. Um, and you need to be around constantly for that phase. So it is, um, it is a little depressing and very exhausting to have to try and figure out how you could possibly be there for your child and this first stage of life. Yeah. And I feel like I should clarify for, especially for overseas listeners who aren't in America, that there are, there is no parental leave in America. Like there's no default parental leave. Um, so in a lot of countries it's, you know, it's either outlined by law or there are standards or there are minimums. Uh, and I've had some interesting conversations with folks from other countries. They're like, wait, what do you mean in America? Cause they'll be like, well, how much parental leave do you get? And we're like, and I'm like, 
none. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, you can get unpaid leave, but <laughs> no paid yeah, leave. Yeah, like, you can yeah. leave. You can <laughs> you leave can your leave, job. But... <laughs> yeah. And, and so I, I think that just what that means, obviously, does, does that mean no one gets paid leave? No, but it, it, to Minda's point, it creates this bizarre patchwork mm-hmm. of every company you work at and and very few companies in my experience have had uh paternity leave uh so you know i i took i think only two three weeks of paternity leave it was paid vacation i had to burn an entire year of paid vacation uh at the agency i worked at to just to be with my newborn um and that is not a vacation wow no 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 (laughs) and like um and that was honestly just so that my wife could tag out and go back to work right like um the it was not ideal. We appreciated what little we got, but on the other hand, um, that's not the case. So Elaine, now honestly, I can't even remember if we set the stage uh, for all this. That you have been on maternity leave for uh, a few months now. So tell us about about your your situation, your setup. Um, so I had a baby girl back in March. Um, I'm also what you call advanced maternal age, which is a great way that the medical field makes people in their 30s feel really old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Um, So as an elderly mother, um, (laughs) I went on (laughs) I went on leave um, the day that uh, my baby was born. So I was working up until the day before. But that comes with, you know, having the kind of privilege to have a job that you can do remotely because I was physically handicapped, but I was not, you know, mentally handicapped. So I was able to work from home until the day before. And it was a nice way to kind of occupy my time. But the day that my baby was born was the first day of lockdown. (laughs) So that was surreal. So I was going through, you know, having a first child, this life-changing experience. And also, um, entering a global pandemic that, uh, another thing I've never experienced and had to, um, have a baby without any friends or family or loved ones around and not even sure if I could have my husband in the delivery room with me. Um, fortunately he was allowed to come, but he was not allowed to leave. They said that if he left, that he wouldn't be allowed back in. So it was surreal on multiple levels. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Hotel California rules. Yep. Um, so the, I'm curious, and obviously this is personal, but a lot of the questions we're going to be asking are personal. Of course. Um, I'm, I'm curious if you ever, were you, what was your outlook on, on having a kid in terms of the effect it might have on your career? Were, were you ever concerned about that? Or were you always like, eh, you know, I'm not going to let a company one way or the other, uh, influence whether or not I have a kid. Um, it was never not a concern ever in my entire career. Um, I think it, I, it, it definitely clouded my ability to tell if I even wanted kids because I was so in love with being a creative and, um, you know, doing a job that really, um, that I really loved. And also, especially when I first starting out was very, um, non woman friendly and having no female bosses, not seeing a pregnant ECD or CCO, anywhere around me. Um, there was, there was a lot of doubt in my mind and I wish I could say like, I totally didn't care. I'm, you know, strong and I won't let anybody scare me, but you can control yourself, but you can't control the system around you, you know? So I knew that I could push through 
anything that where somebody wasn't um, respecting my skills or treating me with respect because I could just work really hard and I'll show them or I can overcome that. But I had no idea if I could ever have the kind of career that I wanted and being, you know, a pregnant lady walking around the office, especially in a time where um, I really succeeded by hiding my femininity and just trying to be one of the guys. And the, the you know, I, I, I'm not sure how he is doing now, but I remember when you and I first met and a lot of the conversation we have is there was one of the relatively few agencies that had been able to grow while maintaining somewhat of a gender balance uh, or a pretty good gender balance. Uh, I guess, have they, have they been able to keep that going? But then also, um, did that help you get to a comfort level of feeling like it wasn't that you weren't going to be as vulnerable as if you were at an agency where you were the, the extreme exception? Well, I think uh, multiple things happened to make me feel comfortable enough to not constantly be avoiding um, facing having a child. But um, right now, uh, almost everyone in leadership in our office is a woman. It's all women heads of departments, um, except for one guy. And, um, and also they promoted me multiple times. So I trusted that they respected me and valued my contributions and wouldn't suddenly demote me to back to being an intern for having a child. Um, and we did have, when I first, first came over to heat, um, we had a very senior ranking um, female employee who was uh, pregnant with her second child. So that made me feel, feel really comfortable. And on top of that, um, we also had hired a very senior um, strategy person who was very pregnant during the interview process. And um, leadership gave her maternity leave in advance before she even started the job and because she was so great and she still is so great that um, they knew that she was worth waiting for. And so just seeing things like that really helps you feel safe and comfortable to really initiate such a vulnerable time in your life. Now, that, that's a perfect segue to, Minda, some of the things you heard um, talking about parental leave. And it sounds like there are agencies out there and probably other companies as well where there it's the opposite of what uh, Elaine's describing, where there's a de- there's a delay before your maternity leave. You can even take maternity leave. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think um, it's kind of crazy. Like there are there's some some agencies and some policies where you sort of have you sort of have to be at the agency for 30 days or 60 days or you know sometimes even longer um, before you can even qualify for that the paid leave um, benefit. Which you know I, I imagine that probably doesn't affect a ton of women in terms of like the you know the windows tend to be pretty small. At, se- at least what I I've seen from my reporting, but for the women, it does impact. It's really, it's really sad because, you know, if you're, if you're having a baby and you, and you don't even qualify for your company's, you know, policy, I mean, it could, I mean, kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, you can end up stringing together like vacation days and personal days. And like, it's, you know, you're just kind of like, you know, you only get a few weeks and then you're already back at the job and you've just started this job and, um, it's, you know, it can be really difficult. And so, um, that's something that there are, there have been some people in the industry really advocating against that and kind of saying, you know, paid parental leave should be, you know, it should be something you automatically get. It shouldn't be something you have to earn. Even if it it only is, you know, two weeks or 30 days, that's still ridiculous because, uh, the chance, you know, on the chance that you have your baby during that small window, it can really, you know, it can lead to like a really, a really bad experience for you. 
We also don't see a lot of pregnant women going on job interviews for all those reasons. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the strategy um, person that I was talking about earlier, she she was interviewing while pregnant, but it didn't even occur to her until somebody proactively reached out to her that that was even a possibility. And the fact that she was was in fact interviewing and was hired while so far into her pregnancy, it actually became this wild news story, which at first I was really excited for her, but then it just really made me sad that it that's such an unusual and amazing thing that that that's not the norm. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of goes to the bigger conversation of like, you know, it, it can hurt a woman's career long term if she's afraid to even go on, you know, go on interviews because she might be pregnant or is pregnant. And then, you know, I think it kind of leads to this idea of like women aren't progressing as quickly as men because they feel like they have to stay at an agency that they might not even be happy at just because of this. Um, and so, you know, it, it is a it is a, an issue. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the thing that a lot of people, you know, especially the people who make these policies maybe don't realize is that it's almost like they picture that you're working at an agency one day and then the next day you're working at this new agency and and the clock starts ticking at that exact moment, right? Whereas the reality, of course, is that the job interview process takes a long time. The decision to leave an agency takes a long time. Uh, the onboarding process, you know, there's it, it's, it's a months-long process, sometimes a year-long process to go from mm -hmm. one agency to another or any company and that's that's where you realize how dumb these policies are right is that it, you're basically forcing people to delay the decision to have a kid sometimes by a year or more and you know I've I'm sure we've all known people in in you know different levels of severity of this but I, I had a friend who was basically told by a doctor once if you're going to have a kid you have to do it now um, because of, of health issues and and you know it was that like obviously I'm not not going to go into specifics, but it was basically they said if you're going to have one, you need to have them as soon as physically possible, uh, for for health reasons, and because every month that goes by, uh, you have a less chance of having of sustaining a child, and can you imagine getting that and then caring at all about whether your company is going to support you and be there for you? It's like adding that stress on top of something that's that heavy. It's just ridiculous. It's hard to imagine that, that and that's when you really realize how, how dumb these policies are. Yeah. And even if a doctor um, tells you that, you don't know if you're going to even be able to get pregnant right away. So it could take a year. It could take 10 years. You don't, you, this, could, this is an ongoing thing. And you're not going to um, take breaks in the middle of having, getting that news um, because, just because your employer didn't really think, think through things. <laughs> Now, you talked about this, Elaine, just from your personal experience, but if you could expand on the role, the, the importance of, of having women in leadership, of having examples, of just sometimes physically seeing other women, uh, especially women in supervising roles who are pregnant, how, how big of a thing and how under undervalued maybe of an of a aspect of this conversation is that? Yeah, I think that's something that is not really top of mind for most people. And I only understand that being important now in hindsight, um, when I'm just reflecting on why I waited so long or why I wasn't even sure if I wanted children. But I, I'm sure that, um, you know, young women entering advertising today, they're not really putting two and two together. They're just looking around, even just looking for female leadership, period. Um, but that was very top of mind when I heard rumblings around the agency when I was pregnant that, oh, you know, I bet Elaine's not going to take the full 
leave. I bet she's going to come back right away just because, you know, you have to be such a dedicated workaholic to make it. And, and I partially was committed to taking all this time off, not just for my baby, but also just for the other, you know, young women in the office, because I knew that if I came back right away, that there would be a nagging voice in their head saying, well, you know, leadership doesn't take time off. They're going to judge me if I, you know, don't take it. So part of me taking the entire chunk was just to make sure that if you want it and you need it, you should take it because you deserve it. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, Mendo, another thing that you talked about, hopefully Elaine has not experienced this to, to that point, is the role that Zoom and, and that quarantine has played in kind of uh, creating a little more empathy, hopefully, uh, for folks uh, about just the realities of life. You know, every day we all see each other's homes now uh, for the last few months. And we see, uh, you know, I've gotten to know Minda's cats and, you know, it's uh, <laughs> the... Uh, the those of us with kids, like they just kind of scamper into view and some of them climb all over the, you know, the younger kids uh, just literally climb all over the parents the whole time they're doing stuff. Uh, but ha- do you feel that that's or have you have you learned through your reporting that that's having an impact on on the way agencies approach issues like uh, like, you know, uh, of taking time off uh, after childbirth? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, obviously we're living in really weird circumstances right now. We're like, hopefully this is not, you know, People don't always have just their kids at home all the time, even if they are working from home. But I think what what's happened over the past few months and from what I've heard is that, like, you know, this idea of, like, working and parenting, um, I think for some people um, it's always kind of been this abstract idea. If you're not really seeing it, it maybe is hard to really wrap your head around. But I think the rise of Zoom and, and video calls, like, people are literally just seeing, like, you'll be on a, you know, I, I always hear about, like, people being on client calls, and their kid will just run in and say something, and, you know, at first, maybe it was kind of awkward, but now it's just become normal now that so many months have gone by, um, and I think some people sort of feel like, you know, watching their agency leaders and management, like, kind of see this face-to-face every day, it has it has provided a bit more empathy, and or if anything, just understanding of like, wow, I, I never really realized like how, what this looks like, you know, what it, what being a parent entails day-to-day. Day um, and so, you know, I think we'll see kind of how things shake out over the next, you know, year, two, three, but um, I do think uh, as, as hard as it has, as this whole experience has been for parents and, and, and all the problems that have come out of this, um, I do think maybe at least the video aspect of it has helped people kind of see uh, how difficult it can be to, to, to be a parent and be working full time. Especially with working in advertising, this is the kind of job where work-life balance doesn't exist. Your work is your life. If you're going to be successful, you have to care about it so hard um, that your brain doesn't just shut off when you get home. Um, you don't just stop caring about the pitch or the team or the you know production that you're um, preparing for or what have you just because you're home. Um, so I think this is creating opportunities for people to actually spend time with their families um, and also still what? think about their jobs all at the same time. And the, you know, the flexibility it gives you, you get to tuck in your kids at night and you get to, you know, go back to obsessing over whatever you were obsessing over after they're asleep, you know, for better or for worse. I always picture, I think it's Elf, right? Where like the, the, um, 
the guy's kid shows up there. I guess both of his kids, since Will Ferrell is also his son. But like the kids like show up and disrupt his big meeting, and the and the the client and the bosses are all like, "Oh, what what are they doing here?" <laughs> and you know, it's like uh, that's honestly pretty accurate for like you know, it's it's I I have been remote for uh, six years. I mean, my entire time with Adweek, I've been remote. Um, and I had been freelancing uh, for seven years for Adweek remotely as well before that. And, you know, I, Adweek has always been wonderful about it. Obviously, I hear it, I'm still here um, and has always been great. That said, uh, there was a lot of, um, I don't know, I'd not say sensitivity, but I tried to, um, I tried to never complain because obviously folks like Menda were going into the office every day, having to commute, uh, just dealing with a lot of stuff that I didn't have to deal with. But on the other hand, it's not always easy. Uh, you know, working from home creates a lot of its own challenges. Uh, having kids, especially like if my kids were sick or dealing with all that. But I tried to just never say a word about it, right? Uh, which isn't healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I, I do hope that coming out of this, it's not like I it's not like I'm saying, oh, I hope people have more sympathy for people like me who always work from home. It's just more like I hope all of us, including myself, feel a little more open to just say like, hey, I'm dealing with some stuff. You know, I'm dealing with this right now. I'm dealing with some family things and I need to just take some time. I feel like that's a much easier conversation now than it was six months ago. Oh, yeah. It helps that everybody's in the same boat now versus before. I'm sure you felt like you had a special thing going um, and other people couldn't empathize or sympathize with you. And now everybody's got something that they have to deal with at home because they're stuck and you can't have any assistance or help. So, you know, people kind of have to not be so hard on themselves. Well, Elaine, because you are not back at work and you are so generously uh, breaking from your maternity leave to talk to us, I don't want to take you up too much longer, but I do want to ask a, I don't know if this is a tough question or not, but yeah, because you've always been a, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, you've always been a tremendous champion for women. You've always uh, been just a wonderful voice uh, for supporting women in all different aspects of their life uh, and especially in the workplace. But I am curious, has your experience with maternity leave and and just this whole process the last few months, do you think it's going to change anything about the way that you manage, the way that you lead teams, especially women uh, moving forward, or just not just women, but people who are first-time parents? Or do do you think it's going to have an impact on you as an executive creative director? Um, Well, you know, I mean, it's a life-changing experience. So, of course, it will have some kind of impact. Um, But I would say the biggest difference is before... I didn't know what I didn't know. All I knew was that um, this was not a very woman-friendly industry or, or very, not a very um, non-white guy-friendly industry before, and I was aware of that. But, you know, you also have to absorb knowledge and learn things that if you don't have firsthand experience with it, that comes with talking to people and trying to wrap your mind around stuff that's never happened to you. Um, now I know what it feels like to be a parent. I know what it feels like to, um, be a first time mom to have been pregnant around the office. So I think I, I mean, I definitely have more empathy now to be even more understanding of that when it comes up in the future. Um, so I'm sure that it will affect things then. And even now, um, you know, I'm not in the office, but I'm using this time to do things, um, that I didn't have time to do before, which is just hardcore, um, mentor people outside of work with some of my free time. Um, I don't know if, um, a lot of your listeners are familiar with Tony, but it's a, um, mentor mentee group for, um, 
people who want to um, connect mentors with young black women who are trying to, you know, get support in advertising and things like that, where I might not have had time. I definitely wouldn't have had time to be this deep into trying to mentor people um, when I was in the thick of work. So I had to stick really with, you know, maybe a couple of people outside of the office, but, you know, I had a whole department and a whole agency to worry about. And now I have a young daughter and I have some time. So it does let me dive deeper into things outside of work. And that will benefit me and other people when I return to work because I'll have all these established relationships. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much for making time for us. It's been such a delight to catch up with you and to, to hear about all this. And we'll definitely have to have you back on to talk about your work because Elaine's work is fantastic. Uh, if Aww. you want to see some of it, you can look up uh, Let's Get Consensual, uh, which was one of my favorite campaigns, activations. Remember back when people gathered in real life places Yeah, together? I, I bet it looks weird now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's about it's about touching people yeah. in public. It's great. Um, but uh, they did some really fantastic work to kind of raise conversations and start conversations about consent uh, at festivals, especially. Uh, and so you can look that up. Let's get consensual on Adweek or on the Heat website, I'm sure. But uh, she's done a million other things. Uh, but Elaine Cox, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And Minda Smiley, agency's writer here at Adweek. Uh, definitely check out adweek.com for her story, uh, for her coverage of parental leave, and for all of her coverage. It's always great. Minda, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for making time for us. Thank you. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. So stay with us. We're all wondering about the future, but there's an entire generation already creating positive change in the world, and they're urging brands to do the same. Meet the Snapchat generation and learn more about them by visiting snapchat.com slash generation. That's snapchat.com slash generation. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by Co M and edited by Lane McGivney. If you haven't already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews make us feel better and they help new listeners discover the show. Uh, you can reach us anytime at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.